Hey everybody, welcome back to The Spin. I am your host, Shane Paul Neal, and with me as usual is Aaliyah S. King. Hello there. And we are recording once again from... Third Space, 142 Lafayette Street, Newark, New Jersey. Come in for all your private event and podcast needs. Oh, who should they contact for? <laughs> they should contact founding partner, Kenneth T. Miles. We've mentioned that name a lot on the show, haven't yes, we? Yes, we do. Yeah, guess what? <laughs> Guess what? He's here. He is here. What? I'm in the building. <laughs> What's going on, man? Hey, how are you? Good, good. Um, so this all started from a conversation that happened in the middle of recording the last episode where you two basically started um, reminiscing about your journal days. Specifically, and I've, I don't know how we've never mentioned this before, but Aaliyah, you wrote and edited for the source both yes i did and what years was that i got there in 98 uh no 99 and i left around 2001 i think and kenny what was your timeline because you so, you were also a writer for the source uh writer and editor writer I and was editor there from 2000 to 2003 okay mm -hmm. so y'all got some overlap and oh absolutely yeah. absolutely so i want to basically try and get some of the behind the scenes of the source because I, I from the outside looking in the source was obviously the shit that was everything it was the bible of mm -hmm. what was happening in hip hop that mm -hmm. month um, from quotables to mics to the culture pieces and everything in between absolutely um, so yeah I just want to get some of the, the dirt and some of the fun stuff and kind of get your thoughts on music and culture post the source as well um, so I know Aaliyah you have an elaborate and long which story. I will not tell as to how you landed at the source. Correct. What is the 90 second version? The 90 second version is that I pretended to be a reporter at the source, flew myself down to Miami, interviewed Wyclef Jean, did not know that the editor-in-chief, Selwyn Seifu Hines, was sitting right next to him, finished my interview, Selwyn tapped me on the back and said, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm a reporter for the source. And he said, no, you're not, I work there. And I said, oh my God, I'm caught. And he said, here's my business card, call me when you get back to New York. I called him and he hired me. Wow, she got that down. So I've had to sit through, not had to sit through, but I've heard the longer story on many occasions, one of them being on stage, mm -hmm. um, which we have to get on YouTube or something at Correct. some point, which once that's done, I will let the folks know. Um, Kenny, how did you end at the source? I don't think I've ever been asked that question, but um, I don't have 90 seconds. It's a little bit longer. <laughs> no, you have, you, have, you have more time. Okay, great, great, great. Her great. story is 13 minutes. Okay. We know at this least. for a fact. So for me, um, I've been a journalist for a very long time. I actually started professionally um, writing for the Jersey Journal. I was 15 years old. I've been the youngest person to ever write for that newspaper Didn't in, I tell in you? its history. Then when I was 17, I got syndicated by the New York Times Syndicate. This is the 90s. And um, so I've been writing in newspapers, but I, my heart has always been in magazines. Mm. So being a, a, a young boy growing up in Jersey City every month, I would go to the newsstand, specifically like the, um, on Grove Street, the PATH train station, they had a newsstand downstairs. Like I would go there and my thing was to always get the magazine first, right? Like the, the, the latest issue. So- oh, the source in particular or just magazines Just anything, whether it was the source, the Vibe magazine, um, Stress, back in the day, anything hip hop related, I wanted to read and I wanted to get it first and devour the magazine, like, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I've always been a writer, right? So I've wanted to transition from writing newspapers to getting into magazines. I started um, started freelancing for various magazines, such as um, like Word, no, uh, New Word, New Word magazine. Oh, say Word Up, you? No, not not Word Up <laughs> magazine, but New Word, which is based out in Brooklyn. Mm. Um, I did a couple of things for Vibe, just like small pieces here and there. Mm -hmm. And then I was just like. Um, I need to get in the source. So what happened was, like, I'm very, when I want something, I'll go out and get it. 
So I was back in Jersey City, smoking weed in the back of the car, this this tiny car, and we listened to hip hop music and beats, and I was just like, I gotta find a way. I, was, I just knew that wasn't my life, right? Just right. listening to, to music in the back of the car, and I felt claustrophobic, and I wanted to like get out. But then I started noticing source stickers mm-hmm. all around the neighborhood. So my mind, and the way my mind works, is like somebody who works at the source they live around this area. Mm. I needed to find out who, right? So I'm still, you know, with my cousins and listening to like mixtapes back then. Like, meanwhile, you know, you're playing Encyclopedia Brown in the backyard. Yeah, like Ron G, <laughs> trying to figure out. Okay, so how do I get down? Lo and behold, right? The people who lived in my aunt's complex, right? Mm. The source barber. I think his name. What was his mm. name? His name. He was, literally is on a masthead as barber. Yeah. I'm like, why would you? Why would <laughs> staff the staff barber? <laughs> I'm like, why the hell would the source have a damn barber, right? One staff. Oh, but I don't um, because his name. blackety black. That's right. Why. Yeah. Yo. Yeah. It was Wait. Was it black? No. Black no. But he was barber. related to black. Right. Yeah, okay. Because okay. isn't black from Jersey City? Yeah, he is. Okay. So oh, yeah. I wasn't yeah. referring to an actual person. <laughs> no. No. But it was. There was a black. There is a black. There is a black. There is a black from Jersey City. So and he was sort of my connection. To, to get in the magazine, at least I thought, you know. Mm-hmm. So we, I found out that he was the because magazines take recommendations from the barber. Well, listen, of course, why well, <laughs> wouldn't they? It was, but oh, even that's kind of funny because people do listen to their barber. The of barber gives advice like that. That is true. So but, people get you know, getting put on by the barber isn't such a big stretch as much as the context of where the barber was putting you on to. Yeah, but back in the day, nobody like unless you knew somebody, you mm. you weren't going to get put on. No. Like right. people never answered their phone, never um, no email. emails or, or anything like that. You'd have so. to try to find them like maybe at an event that you think they might be at. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was hard. But then you also needed an invitation you to still the event, did. right? To, yeah. to get in. Yeah. So that didn't happen, you know. Mm-hmm. But I eventually wound up so how i got to the source was the dot-com thing right so mm-hmm. everybody they were fleeing magazines yes. at the time and i'm just like why would anybody leave a mag? my forward way of thinking right. like why would anybody leave a magazine magazines are gonna last forever right my thinking right <laughs> so every it was a mass uh exodus from source oh i'm sorry this is radio 101 right um i did the same thing last week all right okay. so yeah so it's my show so <laughs> everybody fine. basically left the source, and they needed to hire new staff. Mm-hmm. I I had a interview with the managing editor. He hired me, and you know, that was like my college. You know, I'm I'm grateful. I learned a lot. I learned how to open a beer bottle. You know, Aaliyah King taught me. <laughs> Corona, she taught me how to open up a beer bottle without a beer opener. Right. Things like that. Um, this boy gonna come in my office talk about, I got this beer, but we not gonna be able to drink it because I, I was like, She don't that. realize how many cool points she got that day. I was like, <laughs> but she's like, Kenny, you don't need them. She took that beer bottle and just snapped it on her de- I thought that was ghetto. I thought it was cool. Very ghetto, nasty. very hood, but no, tables, we not gonna not, not drink this Tables, right here. lighters. Any means All necessary. of it. If you got a so, rusty nail, we're getting that Who was the open. managing editor? Who hired you? That was uh, Nigel Nigel Killer Kelly. Don't know where he's at right now, but... I wish yeah. y'all could see the faces that both of y'all made. as y'all I think we have two name. different faces uh, right now, but Nigel was cool with me. <laughs> so you said the source was your college. Yes. And I think we all felt that way. It was. So Let me, and I will say this, you know, uh, everybody, it's all about the internet right now, but mm. they will never know the thrill of opening up, seeing your, seeing a magazine that you wrote for on right. newsstands and opening up mm. and reading it every month. So, arguing about mics, right? Right. 
Man, yeah, I, I used to look forward to the hip hop quotables every month, even more than the mics. A lot of times, the quotables, like what verse Are is on here this choose? month? Which one did you pick? Because um, especially at that time, I was big into poetry, so actually reading verses was a big deal to me. And I remember it would be like Paz from um, De La. He would have verses all the time. And just that was my my gig. Um, Which I don't really remember too much. I don't right. do... I, gonna, I definitely you, didn't do Quotable myself. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure. I don't remember who actually came up with mm. those, at least during my time there. I don't remember. So, and, and it was interesting because, uh, Leah, we talked about this old... Well, we've talked about this before. From the outside looking in, you didn't exactly know how the mics got formulated. Correct. Um, so when you said it was essentially mics by committee, I yep. was like, I almost pictured like, you know, somebody behind the curtain, five mics to you, three mics to you. Not quite. It's like mics were in the hat, the average was done. That was it. That they, was it. You know, we would get a list of. Was there a conversation about who gave what mics? Or was it like a blind vote? No, or? it was blind. Mm -hmm. So that music editor, which under my, when I was there, was Eric Parker. And Eric would say, these are the seven, six, eight, whatever mm -hmm. albums you need to listen to for the next week mm -hmm. and next week tell me how many mics you're giving and then you would give us a sheet and it would say you know Dots FX and DMX whatever and you circle whichever one mm -hmm. he would come around pick it up and um, tabulate it and they would that was it Kenny did you have a vote on the mics or no and then this is what I was going to say Aaliyah was in the music department mm -hmm. and um, when I got hired I got hired for the culture department okay. and at first was bummed about that. I'm like, <laughs> you know, why do you, you know, you is this is an opportunity to get to work with one of the the best, right? In my opinion, the best music magazine, mm -hmm. like uh, hip hop music, uh, hip hop music magazine, um, ever, right? You know, and I get to work in the culture department. But what I later learned is that, you know, I was glad, I was fortunate that I had that opportunity because mm -hmm. it was. Uh, I was definitely able to utilize a lot of my skills and my interests. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I covered books. I covered... Travel. Um, travel. Mm -hmm. right. Had, and I will say this. The first time I ever flew on an airplane was going to Iowa, mm. doing a politics story mm. for The Source. I love Thanks it. Thanks to Akiba Solomon. I love <laughs> it. Akiba made people out of many of us. Um, the first time I ever flew internationally um, was to Germany which I just found out was because of you. See, um, For circle. the source. Yeah. For 20 years, from 1999 to 2009, any time I ever got on a plane was for journalism. I never bought my own plane tickets until like the last like five years. I'm still upset about it. Wow. I find myself traveling and trying to find the right room and I'm like, this is the hotel room I'm staying in? Because I'm so used to being put up by a label or by a magazine. But I'm just now feeling the results of like, wow. oh, so I have to, wow, flights are expensive, who knew? I also gotta say one of my proudest moments of working at The Source is being one, one fourth to one third of two black guys and a Spanish kid. Mm. I was Jersey Joe. <laughs> I was Jersey Joe. So tell and, folks what that is exactly. Uh, two black kids and uh, two black guys and a Spanish kid was a, um, a movie review column that came out every month in The Source. It was done in the form of a cartoon strip. And we had Coco Tasso, Beantown Brown. We had uh, I was Jersey Joe. It sounds really racist, by the way. <laughs> well, yeah, but right now, right, two thousand and what? What year is this? <laughs> uh, For the record, Town Brown. Beantown Brown. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Anselm, uh, what the name of his, his character was, but mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to um, go to movies every month, and, right. and that's another passion of mine, you know. And one of the films that we reviewed, I was actually uh, I ended up managing one of the directors at the time. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Jerry Lamont. We did not know who those people were, by the way. And I'm 10 feet away from him. Was that purposeful? or I think so. I feel like 
maybe to protect the allow them to really speak how they wanted to speak mm-hmm. I don't, we didn't just go around being like oh we know that that's Kenny I didn't know that for a long time I didn't know I think were. everybody was in their own world at that time right. yeah. yeah in their silos and in their things Absolutely. and then I would look forward to reading it I think we wanted to be because mm-hmm. I'm sure you wanted to read the mics without having heard us all talking about it you wanted to still be fresh yeah. so I wanted to read that review fresh mm-hmm. I didn't want to know who it was and what right. they saw ahead of time I wanted to read it in print so we did operate like very different magazines. But going back to something that Kenny said, I was hoping that I would be put in culture because the source was music, culture, and politics. I'm not a hip hop head, never have been ever. I was always like, I like hip hop because I'm from East Orange, but I was Luther Vandross and Patti LaBelle and Mariah Carey. So in politics, I wasn't politics either. Right. So I just knew like culture is where I belong. So when I came to interview so wait, with Selwyn, so, so politics wasn't a part of culture. Politics no. was his own. It politics was, was his own yeah. department. And I went into politics too, but right. right. So I was afraid to be in the music department. There were no women in the music department at that time, not mm-hmm. a single one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt, you know, I just felt like I didn't belong there. So all the stories I made up. Up for Selwyn for my interview were all culture and he was like okay staff writer music it was really just about what was needed at that time right it wasn't really about what you could fit to do Phil I think he felt like if you can do this you could do that you'll be all right and I think if you if you're not old enough to actually remember peak source it you it's referred to I think often as a hip-hop magazine as a music magazine when it was like as you guys were laying out it was so much more than that. it was really it was a bible yeah it was, it was a culture magazine in the sense that it covered so much and was so far. It was, for me in, in those days, it was Rolling Stone and GQ and all mm, those things kind of, of put to one spot. Which is why Jan Winner, who owns Rolling Stone and Spin, tried to buy um, The Source mm-hmm. at the time that mm-hmm. Kenny and I were, were there. And Dave Mays turned down $30 million in cash that he was trying to uh, buy The Source. And he's like, it's bigger than that, so we're good. I I'm, I have to ask a question. When did the store, When did the Source start going down for you? The moment you you mean there? You mean like in terms of me being there or the quality of the magazine? Quality of the magazine. Um, I'm gonna say around, let's see, maybe 2005. I think I was still connected and still reading it until about 2005. Um, at that point, um, what was happening with Benzino and Dave and all that nonsense and the drama, it started to really, you know, I have, um, what's his name? His name is Joshua, what's his last one. name? But that's not his name, Eddie. Radcliffe, Joshua mm-hmm. Radcliffe. So when he called me up to tell me he was gonna be editor-in-chief, I love Joshua, I put him on and I gave him some of his first pieces, but I didn't think he was ready to be editor-in-chief and I was concerned and I told him so. Um, so at that point, I wasn't sure and I started to see certain things in the magazine that, that I was questioning, so. Anything particular, or is that something you don't necessarily want to get into? Probably not gonna get into too much. I do have a question for Kenny, though, because what when you asked me that, I always wondered, I, let me see. For, I think for full disclosure, I should say that my the music editor at The Source, um, my boss, Eric Parker, ended up becoming my husband. And I say the full disclosure for that because by the time I left, we were not together while I was there, but by the time I left and things moved on, I still was no, knew what was going on. And I have to say, even not as his wife, but what went down with him leaving and the way he left and what was going on. Talk about it. Talk about it now. Um, <laughs> I mean, I can say this because I remember hearing, not from him, that at the time that he was being forced out, um, there was a petition 
Um, and 90% of the staff signed his petition saying that he needs to be the editor. It was called The Letter. The Letter, the letter. as it was called. <laughs> um, and I took a good look at who was on that letter. So, no, Kenny, were you I, there at the time? I was. So, and I was like, I'm not signing shit. <laughs> I'm just when trying nobody, to. Everybody was cool with me. I was just right. listening. I was in my own world. I was going through a lot of depression towards the end of me being at the source. And, and Do you I, remember I, us talking about that? What? About depression? Oh, hell no. I wasn't just talking to anybody. Do you remember that me and you talked about that? I don't remember that. We talked really? about it. Mm-hmm. It must have been in a fog or whatever. But um, when it started to go, I remember the very moment I was just like, I don't want to be here. And the spirit of me wanting to be here, it changed. I was in Dave May's office. I think it was you like can the start first time. It was the first, <laughs> no, it was the first time, you know, that I got invited into his office. And... Um, I used to work with this, what they call a phone tap. Now, people who are journalists, they may know, like if you're doing a, a phone interview, you can you can uh, hook it up and you re- you can record the interview. Mm-hmm. So he needed one at the time. He's like, can I can I can I get you, can I get your phone tap? And I'm like, okay. So he has, it. and I'm like, well, where's my shit? It took about a day or two, and then all of a sudden, he invites us into his office. This is me. Akiba was one of them, and I don't remember, maybe been two other staffers. I just remember Akiba and I were there, and he was trying to dig up dirt on Eminem. Mm. And the reason why he asked for the phone tap was because he wanted to get Eminem. He was was having a conversation with Eminem's mom, Mm -hmm. and he wanted her to say some disparaging things about him over the phone and I'm like I'm like this is not no, hip hop. No, this is in the midst of the Benzino and Correct, yeah. And I was like, this is not hip hop. This, is, this not is not it. the source. And this, and this is, is not journalism. Not what I this is not journalism right. and this is not where uh, where I want it to be. So he couldn't just go get somebody to buy him one? He had to get one from you, the tappy thing? Yeah, I mean, but that's that's crazy. And then you know, and then, you know, Kiba soon left after that, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that was just like the whole thing. So that was two thousand three. Around that. And even before that, you know, um I felt like Eric Parker should have been the editor in chief, um, and once he left, just the the spirit of the magazine started to change. Mm-hmm. Into and when something. was that? When did he leave? I don't know the exact probably like time okay. frame. Yeah, but um, and I respected how he left. It was just just gangster to me. Okay, so so wait, wait. Before you ask questions, tell me how he left. I wasn't he there. Resigned. I mean, uh, he just wait before that, and you weren't there, and. We were young, so it's me and some of the junior editors at the time. It was so funny. So you had Eric Parker at one end. You had another editor whose name, well, you had another editor. <laughs> and they were both vying for the same position. And it was like watching like a Tyler Perry movie or something. And it was just like, I got a better story idea. No, I got a better story idea. And we all just looking. And it was like, you see how two cats go like this? <laughs> and I'm like, you seeing what I'm seeing? We're kicking each other over. So... um you know, Eric was passed over, I think, unjustly for that position, but then he soon signed his resignation letter, and I'm like, that's how you leave a situation. Okay, so I think he would be okay with me saying this all these years later, but obviously, I, we weren't married at the time, but we were dating at the time after I left, and he was, of course, calling me and keeping me posted on what was going on. So I'll be like, what happened? Well, this happened, this happened, this happened. So when he came to me, and they said, it looks like we're gonna go with this other editor, but we'll let you know by like next week. And he was like, so I'll find out for sure next week. And I was like, no, you just found out. You You are getting your Master P doll. You gonna get your vinyl and your plaques. You leaving now. And he was like, well, no, because, and I was like, just think about what you're saying right now. You owe it 
to the young folks in that office to show them how this is done. So I think that's so amazing that you just said no, that, that made you an, remember no, that. That made an impression. So I was like, me. I'm not telling you what to do, but just think about it. Next thing I know, that nigga was home. Like, oh well, <laughs> my stuff. And that's I'm how, in, in sidebar, <laughs> and that's how I left too. <laughs> Good. I just, I, um, I was passed up for a mm. position, and I left. Uh, we were, we were, we had an editorial meeting, and everybody's like, "Where's Kenny?" And I wrote my letter, and I left. Yeah. I had a to-go box. Right. Yeah, you know, I think before you leave any situation, you gotta you're about have your to, to-go box. Right. You start mentally preparing yourself to leave. So right. I had my CD player, my CDs, and mm-hmm. you know, um, like. My magazines, right. my you, copies. You technically you leave before you leave. I stole my Rolodex. I still there got that go. Rolodex. Who the hell uses a Rolodex, Rolodex anymore? I still have mine too. Yeah. Absolutely. I think we all want the names in that Rolodex more than the Rolodex itself. But that's all it was. Really? Story. I think I was blessed um, to leave, you know, I. Carlito was the editor in chief. Um, that was another. We yeah. had our own back and forth between Carlito and Tracy. So that it was, was before the me, same heard, yeah. thing where wow. we were like, "Oh my God, what's happening?" And everybody's vying for this one, and Tracy wants to be it, and Carlito. And we're just all back and forth, and finally Dave decided it was going to be Carlito. But I just woke up one morning and was like, "I'm done here." Like once they started giving me more and more columns to edit, I was like, "I'm not an editor." I'm a writer. I gotta go. So I'll never forget walking into Carlito's office and I sat down. I was like, I gotta talk to you. And he was like, What do I need to do to make you stay? And I was like, Nothing. I just wanna go. And he gave me a contract um, for a year so that I could leave and kind of build up my life as a freelancer. And I will never, ever, 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 you know, I just really. I'm gracious. He was really gracious, and I really was able to leave on my own. I hired Jermaine to take my place, and um, I was really grateful for that. I was able to walk Jermaine, out. I'm sorry, Jermaine Hall. Jermaine Hall. Okay. Jermaine Hall became the uh, whatever I was, associate music editor, um, and we've been working for each other back and forth ever since. But um, it was time for me to go. I wanted to write. I did not want to be an editor. And I don't know what I would have done had Carlito not put me on a contract. So rewind in a little bit. Um, I know me being a fan of the source, one of the things I did appreciate is that it always felt polished. The stories were tight. Absolutely. The reviews were great. Mm-hmm. Everything was like, um, there was you, you couldn't say disparagingly, this is a black magazine. It, was, it wasn't like, oh, this is misspelled, misspelled and what are they talking about? This, this wasn't Don Diva. No, it was not. Um, how much of that polish was behind the scenes? As opposed to? As opposed, like, because you talk about it being your college. Oh. So in terms, so how? No, there was so no corporate to... polish. It was all us. Mm-hmm. Like we were literally making it a polished magazine. Right. Like, um, who's your editor? Akiba? No, that's politics. Anselm. Mm-hmm. Anselm, his top editor mm-hmm. was the most is the most perfectionist child that is ever perfectionist on the laws of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Like he's just never gonna let a story go until it's perfect. Um, no, it was us. Mm-hmm. We were we were the polish. Now, how much of that? push for polish was being essentially a black magazine versus just y'all doing what y'all knew to do in the first place was there was there a second was there another piece of words like we're this young black hip-hop magazine eyes are on us they're waiting for us to do something no, silly there was no they no yeah we didn't i mean they is in the industry there was no we, industry we, no, we what was the industry yeah, the, the, the publishing industry we, they weren't paying no attention to us we, anyway yeah. whether we were don diva or whether we were the new york times the publishing industry didn't know the source existed mm. so we weren't working for them we were mm-hmm. working for the people who read it right only that's it 
there was no other. There was no they. We we had a really strong, intense rivalry with like Vibe. I think if anything, Vibe's existence, because the source, if you look at early source, they were a little sketchy mm-hmm. prior to moving to New York from Cambridge. Um, Vibe being corporate and having the budget to really do things did keep us on our toes, for right. sure. We wanted graphics like them. We started hiring the photographers that they use, like Nitin Viduco, rest in peace, and all those folks. But I think we were just doing it because we wanted to do good product, period. Wouldn't you say? I agree. Um, to me, I, I think and more. I think it was more Double XL than Vibe that put us on our toes because it wasn't anybody else in terms of magazine magazines that were doing what we were doing. So Double XL, when Double XL came out, I think they really changed the game to me. You think so? Yeah, Vibe was just in another. Vibe was Vibe was. You know why I feel that way? Because I'm the R&B girl, so I yeah. did Vibe like the Holy Grail, and Double XL did not. N- nothing about Double XL ever threatened me. I just Ooh. was like. Mm. Listen, when their I, fonts were horrible and their spacing <laughs> really no, nah, I remember the first when the first issue of Double XL came out. Like mm-hmm. I got Who's that feeling. Um, I think it was a black and white cover. Cover. I remember Sheena Lester because I, I love her. If you are in the magazines, you are a you read the masthead, mm-hmm. and that was the one of the best things to me of working at the sources. Like I was working with my celebrities, me too, my stars, the mm-hmm. Leah S. Kings, the right. Caring. Well, Caring Good wasn't over at. Um, the source, but getting to meet people like Michael and Gonzalez and Chris X and everything else, I'm like, these are my celebrities. These are my celebrities. You know, so um, that was definitely fortunate. When I realized regard. that Kevin, pa- that I was on Kevin Powell's radar because I worked at the source, mm-hmm. I almost fainted. Like, you know who I am because I worked there. It was insane. So, if anything, to go back to what you said, we were working for our contemporaries. Okay. For our audience mm-hmm. and for our contemporaries. Right. I never thought Double XL had better writers or better writing than we did. Never. I never read a Double XL feature that made me think, oh, well, they were okay, but I never thought that the writers, that the writing that they had there was better than ours. Also, Double XL held more closely to the music itself. There wasn't as much of the culture. No, and not pieces much. As well. It was more than it was music. Like, there was long form pieces. And that's one of the things I enjoyed about the source too is that there were quality long form articles. Let me tell you something. Four and 5,000 word articles that were like hit like every other magazine hit. Let me tell you something about, about things that I actually cared form. about. Mm-hmm. Someone said, tell me something long form you want to do. I said, let me pick three rappers that are about to put out albums, brand new. One in... One in on the West Coast, one in the Midwest, and one here in New York. Let me fly out mm-hmm. three times every month to meet with said rapper and figure out what's going on with them. That's mm-hmm. where magazines have money. And he said, <laughs> okay. Every month, I made three flights with a photographer to check in with these three people. And I wrote a column called Diary of a New Jack that ran for 12 months, ending with, us flying all three rappers together to do a shoot together. And that was my first introduction, I think, into your writing mm. before I got like there. sounds like actually a precursor to a freshman, the freshman double XL Yeah. Correct. Except it was just three folks. And, you know, it's like, oh, this week, I mean, this month Aaliyah's going to come out because we're doing our first show. This week, Ali- three different rappers? Who are the rappers? Do you keep in con- contact with any of them? I'm curious. Um, I mean, through social media. Lady Luck is the only one that's like my heart, like, you know, because she's here. Mm. Um. So here's the interesting part, and, wait, I, and I've never said who, this who before. I'm about to tell you. Okay. So for we couldn't do the West Coast because the 
plane tickets were just way too expensive for me to fly out to the West Coast. So someone was like, do two Midwest and one New York. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to figure out what to do, and I was asking all the publicists, tell me who just got signed. So I was getting all this music in, and I was like, this sounds good. Oh, he's cute. I can go visit him. Oh, what da da So the one I picked, his name is Little Buddy. He's from Minneapolis. So I flew to Minneapolis every month for a year. He didn't really blow like that, but he's still like a little, you know, something-something in Minneapolis. But the one I turned down, because I just wasn't feeling his sound, and I didn't want to go to St. Louis every month. Ellie? Yeah. Mm. I'm glad you wasn't an A&R. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I passed on Nelly. Um, what do you, you know, there you have it. And then the other guy was from Chicago. His name is Cap One. And now he's down with Two Chains. And he's in his little mix. And then the other one was Lady Luck, who I interviewed um, when she was very young and got signed to Def Jam at 16. Um, so it was amazing. I don't know if that would happen today, especially not in print. Can I just say, like, one of the people, like, I remember interviewing at the source and she didn't blow and a lot of she a lot of people I think she got a bad rap she was just I interviewed her twice and I remember the second time I interviewed her she's like I remember you Kenny and we just started talking and she was just like she just opened up and I don't know where she's at right now but shout out to Emil from Rockefeller Uh, she got she no not only that but apparently somebody and this is the thing about me I always know somebody who knows somebody right Apparently, at the time, the person who was managing her worked at Rockefeller. Mm. And she... Right. Conflict of interest, right? right? right. And she pulled me in the side, and she was like, yo, Kenny, he was beating my ass. And I'm just like, so I don't know where she's at right now, but I heard she's in North Carolina, but I think, you know... When her album came out, I was at Columbia Records and people and the person who played the album for me was just like, yeah, I know it's not that good. Maybe we should market her to kids. I'm like, you're supposed to be representing her. To That's kind of yeah, like because they didn't know what like to kids do with. Pop? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not joking. Wow. I'm just like you know how. Did she how come dirty? to the office? No. Okay. No, I, I actually went out to to interview her twice and then mm. yeah. So, and it's. I'm glad you kind of brought up the that darker part of it. How did you decide in writing these pieces what saw the light of day and what didn't? Because, you know, what we know about Big Pun now that we didn't know 20 years ago right. and on down the line, uh, Big, everybody with domestic violence issues, criminal act, whatever it was. How did you figure out what made it to print and what didn't? And that goes, to, I think, goes culture and the music side, like just figuring out where those lines were. You gotta tell the truth. And to me, some people, they have a problem with being called a journalist. I don't. Um, you gotta, you have to ask yourself what, what is it that you want to read? What is it that you want to know, mm-hmm. right? You know, being a writer, a journalist, you don't want to write the same things that, that has been regurgitated, you know, in other magazines or on the radio. You want to, you have to get at, into but the Kenny, heart of a story. You have to admit that at the source, at least, we knew how far we could go. There were certain relationships with certain artists that were protected, like. So you were in music. I wasn't in music. I was in culture, and I think I, I think we had more leeway mm-hmm. in, in 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 writing, and you know, you guys. It was more political to me right. with with the people in music. But I had a you know I had a great opportunity to. So you never got the eye like, mm, maybe we should go light on this person. Like, even when you're covering politics, 
Because no. you cover politics. No, I, I, and I've never approached the story like that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I know, and I, and I knew this from day one. If there's something I feel uncomfortable with, my name's not going on it, and I, and I'm a firm believer in that. Right. What piece are you most proud of in your time with the source? Great question. Um, there was a piece I did for when I was in a politics sec- section, and it had to do with um, black men and depression. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of them. And then before I left, I went to Las Vegas and I did something. They had a column, the magazine had a column like called In the Hood. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was able to, oh, AZ too, I had fun. AZ is one of my favorite rappers mm-hmm. ever, bar none. I went to Hawaii, I had an opportunity to go to Los Angeles, Hawaii, in Miami. So was it the piece of the plane rides that you were excited about? <laughs> it was just like, I'm chilling with one of my favorite rappers right. going there. I'm, I'm in Hawaii just, just having I a good time. I loved In the Hood. Yeah, that was great. And then I no, saw, what, no, what was In the Hood exactly? What in was the Hood was a, uh, what section was, was that month, in? It was in culture, yeah, culture right? Month so it's like, so the source was very territorial. We were very territorial about space in the mag. Mm-hmm. So you doing big if you get something that's a two-page spread. Right. Because there's only but so many pages in the magazine. Sure. So like I had a column, but it was like a third of a page. Remember 5, 10, 15, 20? Nope. It's still in there. Um, I would tell you something that happened five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, okay, 20 yeah. in hip hop, whatever. Um, so, and, and just so you know, when I came up with that column, it was so hard to find things for 20 years. Which is so crazy to me now. Right, because we'd be like, "What now, do we do for twenty years?" Because now you look, you're grabbing in an encyclopedia. 1979, right? And there's no visuals, there's right. no images, and the art department is like, "We don't have anything from '79." It's funny. So now it's like super easy. But to, I remember that in the hood was a two page spread. There was a budget to uh, send a photographer. It was the same photographer every time. I don't remember his name. Um, and it was shot really nice. It just looked pretty. It just you were happy to have your byline there because right. it just always looked good. Um, and then the, I did one with Akinelli, of all people. Um, Put it in your mouth? <laughs> yes, that dude. By the way, I I had the I promotional the lollipop. best hip hop songs ever. I had it for you years. They, was, they were getting promotional lollipops to put it in your mouth. Uh-huh. I had it for years because I did not want to get rid of this thing because like, it was dope. It was, it's dope. Yeah. Isn't it like, like one but of then, the best but things But then the Ryan came off the plastic after a while. And, but that's back when you had to have you had to those have kind it. of swag to give out, not just reporters, but even Jaheim's the listeners. people sent us a little baby bottle because mm-hmm. his first song was called The Little Nigga Ain't Mine. My best promotional item was, to me, I think this is bar none ever. This is Bad Boy at its height total they had a cereal box a total cereal box and oh, they put the cassette, oh, uh, wow. cassette tape in Inside it I still had it. it yeah for their first album that's I thought dope. that was dope and that's also back when artists had to go to the store to do signings and, yeah. Yeah. and play sure. a long Leah how old are we old like all the Damn. all the fun stuff, I never got that stuff. Like people mm. thought because I worked at the source, I would have all that stuff. But in the music department, you couldn't. No, I could. You it's could. just that I was low on the totem pole, so the uh. publicist got to give it to Selwyn or Carlito, and then Eric, and then maybe Riggs, and then they're like, Nah, she's like, whatever. We don't need to gas her up. She's gonna do whatever we wanted to do anyway. So I didn't get a lot of the good stuff. Shane, I can't remember my favorite piece, but mm. my favorite interview, bar none, uh-huh. besides Az. My the guy who got me into rap, Ice Cube. Mm. Where was I? I was on a set of All About the Benjamins in Miami. 
So interviewing Mike Epps, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, the publicist pulled me into his trailer. Wait, uh, all about the Benjamins, the video? No, not the video, the movie, the movie okay. that nobody saw. I didn't see it. <laughs> I saw it. I, don't think. You saw it? I saw it. So they they shot it out in Miami, and the publicist said, "Do you want to interview Ice Cube?" I'm like, "Yeah, hell yeah!" So I get in the trailer. Right, this is Nappy Dugout Ice Cube. This right. is uh, today was a good day Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. Right, so this is Doughboy. Get into there, get into the to the trailer, and he's sitting down, just rolling the blunt, looking all mean, and I'm like, okay, like, and he says, you ain't gonna put this in your article, is you? <laughs> and I'm thinking, this Hell this yeah. a gangster rapper, and he's asking, you know, if I'm gonna put the fact that he's rolling a blunt right. in my story, I'm like, why would he care? Right. But no. But years later, I thought about it. it makes sense. He turned into Mr. Disney, right? Family exactly. man. So I was like, I guess he was. It's preparing not like they wouldn't know he was smoking blunts. Right. Went to are we are we there yet? Yeah. No. He right. Yeah. He knew we. Are we there? Like that. Yeah. Like we gotta protect that money too. You know. But he knew he was probably going into that thing. Right. But I'm just like, why would he care if I write? You right. know that he's rolling a blunt, but he just looked mean like a motherfucker. So did you put it in your story? I did not. Mm. It was cold. You know, there's this infamous story that I guess we can talk about now. About about DMX and the source trying to get him together to put him on the cover. I wrote the cover story, um, and he OD'd, I guess? I don't know what happened exactly, but he was like laid out on a conference room table unconscious. And Cucurito is there, and the publicist is there, and somebody says, somebody needs to poke him awake. Because <laughs> we're losing money. Like this, we're at a, we've rented this venue for this photo shoot. This can't happen. And someone else says, you do it. I'm not touching him. So there's all this back and forth on how do we bring DMX back to life. And then I'm sitting there as the reporter taking notes like, mm, did he almost die? And I, I'm sure you know that that did not appear in my story, although I was fully prepared to put it in there. Um, but he was on parole or probation, and that would have literally sent him back wow. to jail. Literally. So you and literally like, saved his so, life. You could have violated DMX. Right. Wow. So the managing editor is like, here's the story, Aaliyah. Because you can't say, take this out. Right. You say, is there anything you want to take out? No. I'm good. Well, legally, this could affect him. Did he know that when he came in there was shooting up heroin? Like, what the what they got to do with me? I'm writing down what I saw. Yeah, so we're going to have to ask you. So I took it out. But you know, what you saying that, I sort of respect, if you think about how things w- were back in the day, like I had more respect for us. Because even the people who were, who worked for the record label, they, we were peers. Like, you right. know, we sort of looked out for each other. I don't imagine that happening today with bloggers, right? Oh, Taking no. out stories and everything yeah, else. Absolutely I think there was not. a certain... Uh, a, a, I, I would say the push is, is the opposite. is to put everything in you possibly can. Because you need to be a B. Scott. You need to be a any of the publications where the salacious headlines and stuff wins. Because you have to get the click. And that's whack. That's whack to me. I mean, it is. But it's a different time. We had the benefit of two, three months before anybody's going to read it. I'm like, so I was like, he's going to be in jail anyway for something else. <laughs> but this comes out. You might as well leave it in. And sure enough, he got violated before the story came out. I was like, see, you could have had the hot stuff. Um, the only time I really pushed back, there was one time that I was very angry about what I was being asked to do. This was, what is this rapper's name from Yonkers? They were trying to position him with Eve, but he never really popped off. And Eve did. Yeah, I'm talking about drag? Not drag on. Drag, drag on. on. Yes. So they said. Because we went did. to the same high school. Really? Mm-hmm. Um. So they sent me to San Francisco to uh, 
interview him. What they don't tell me is that they're giving him two and a half mics in the source. So this never happened. Mm, the wait. interview always happens, and then the mics come so out. So he knew beforehand. He knew. Ooh. And they didn't even tell me. So they're giving him two and a half mics. It didn't come out yet. Mm -hmm. But the same issue that I'm going to write my feature in, the record report is going to have him getting two and a half mics. That's fine. It happens. You're supposed to keep the person who's writing a story separate from the mics. It's not the same thing. But y'all gonna tell me before you send, put me on a plane right. to go interview this man and not tell me that he's getting two and a half mics and that he knows that he's getting two and a half mics. So I get to San Francisco, he's cursing me all through the airport. As soon as I landed, he was getting on the plane that I got off mm -hmm. because he's like, I'm not doing no interview with this hoe because you just gave me two and a half mics. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. So I wrote I mean, And to be fair, if I remember correctly, that was a two and a half mic. It was a two and a half mic album, for sure. So yeah. what I didn't know was that the backdoor decisions was, because Def Jam was like, you better give him a feature. We need a feature. Right. And the agreement was, we'll give him a feature, but we're going to be honest in this record report because he don't deserve a feature. But if you want a feature, he's getting two and a half mics. And they're like, cool, we still need the publicity, so fine. But all these things are happening, and ain't nobody telling me. So I'm looking stupid. And so I wrote the story in the first person, and I remember it started like, sometimes I really hate working at the source because you're dependent on to do this, do that. He didn't tell me this. Th I just wrote what happened. Right. Handed it in. <laughs> and so, you know, swarmed down in my office, like, are you crazy? You're not writing this. And I was really disappointed. And it was the first time that I realized this really is a business. And ultimately, these people are all in the bed together. If Def Jam is talking to the source mm -hmm. about the two and a half mics, so on the whole, how cooked were the mics in terms of like politics, relationships, and those kind of things? Very. <laughs> and it's Kenny Miles, I said it. <laughs> I said it. Honestly, I'm gonna be honest. Outside of, I, I really don't know. I know mm. about, he, Dragon deserves to want to have mics. Right. So do you really think outside of Benzino that people were getting more mics than they deserve? Wait, Absolutely. You, you gotta rewind a little bit. The Benzino mics. Oh God, that's a whole nother episode. Uh, Benzino famously would put out music and get, you know, more mics than he deserved. He would mm. get mics, period. And he didn't deserve any because he was terrible. Um, but because of his relationship with the owner, um, right. that would go down. So that happened throughout the reign mm. of the source. Now, was that for specific artists? So like, De La's five mics. And then this predates you. Yeah. But. Are Dela's five mics clean? Or anybody's five mics clean? I think all mics are clean up until... I don't know. Can you until you no, I'll tell you. Okay. Until you I'll got there? You. No. <laughs> Little Kim's... Oh, What was the yeah. name of that? Uh, something. That, that, that was, was this year. That was some really... No. 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 Hard, no. That was a good... Hardcore, right, right, right. But Hardcore didn't get five mics. No. I think it was her third album. Ain't no way in hell she should have no. gotten five mics. Is that the one with like right. Cisco and... Yeah. How many no. licks? How many licks? That was the second one. No. Her third album got five mics. Yeah, that was, and I'm not that gonna was, say I didn't why. I know Kim had a five mic. She did. <laughs> Do your research. Hey, wow. No, I'm not. No, 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 no. Yeah, she did, and I remember. I remember, and I remember, and I don't want to say why. I'm not. Are you? Are I mean, you isn't a, it common a, knowledge? Like, couldn't you Google that? Why she got five? I mics? got my phone in my hand right now. I mean, you might not be able to Google why she got five mics. It's because of somebody she was dating, right? I think I thought who it was who her power. manager was dating. Oh, see, I was wrong. I thought she was dating him, but her manager was. Are dating Are we not him. saying no names? <laughs> no, I'm not saying no names. All right. No, her manager was. 
Oh, that's how you could get five mics? Yeah. Well, obviously, that's how she got it. Dating yeah, the yeah. manager of your client? Huh. So I landed on a random blog spot. I've Googled Kim five mics. Uh huh. And the headline on this blog says, Lil' Kim gets five mics. Hip-hop fans plan for mass and immediate evacuation. <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of that album? I'm trying to... We can't even think of it. So um, it was not right. a Bob Mike album. Wasn't... Definitely It's the one with the cans. Oh, and, and the locks. <laughs> the Naked Truth. Oh, yeah. I remember that album. I remember was the, it? the was source it the cover. Tr- According to this random oh, blog, right. I found oh, yeah, it's yeah, the Naked, naked Truth. Because I remember how she... She's naked. Yeah. yeah. I remember mm. that. Um... I gotta say, mm-hmm. my, one of my first days that I came up at the source, and I'm just like, you know, this guy from Jersey City, young, mad young. And I get there, they show me the seat. I sat in the projects. The people who had offices, they they were called um, the condominiums or mm-hmm. condos, condos or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like in the trenches with the junior editors. Mm-hmm. So I get there, my very first day at the source, and I'm walking, I'm coming from the bathroom, and I look, and she just this beautiful, beautiful woman. She just smiles at me, beautiful smile, white teeth, and long hair and this guy turns to me he said don't smile too hard you know she's fucking Dave right and I'm like wow so like that's our first introduction to the source beautiful actress I'm not going to say her name but I was just like what a way to your first day at work and you just seen this celebrity don't literally get fucked up on your first day right basically yeah yeah but I'm just that's how things go down here Um, Dave Mays have great taste in women well women have good taste in money I don't know if he had good taste in women. Another thing, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna right? mute, mute my mic. I know. Okay, I know. Right. One thing. <laughs> so, in another memorable moment I had at the source, right? Um, Dave Mays had a, a loft or a penthouse mm-hmm. across the street from mm-hmm. the Heartland source magazine. Beauty. Yeah, mm-hmm. up above. We knew that, but then this one time he invited, you know. Um, the members of the staff to come through. So I was like, I'm not gonna miss this for the world, right? You know? I was there. So I went, we, I mean, this is like, talk about being ghetto fabulous. Like we had the bottles of Cristal, um, drinking my Heineken at the time when we went to the roof. And I just remember looking looking out onto 14th Street Union Square and I was like, I finally made it as a writer. Mm-hmm. Like drinking Cristal with some of the people. And I was like, I made it. And then one of the, you always find like people who are into art or like at magazines, they're like really snobby. And he made this quip. He was just like, Dave, I'll never forget. <laughs> he said, Dave May's art, like the equivalent of his, of the art that he had in his apartment was the equivalent of dogs playing poker. Mm. <laughs> who said that, Cucurito? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember that day very well, and I remember feeling that way too on the roof. Did you feel like you? I do. I, I remember like, yeah. distinctly I'm like, this feeling is, like this, this is, is what, this is what right my now. dream was. Right, yeah. right. I do. Do you remember that day if you used to have security just to go across the street? No, I didn't. You were never there really late. I would be there until like eleven o'clock, and sometimes when I would leave, um, I would see his security guard come, take the elevator down, and just I would just sit there and watch, and they would just walk across, just. Right across the thing. It'd be him, Dave, and him, Ray, and a security guard every night if he was there late. Wow. Things got really fucked up. I know, I mean, you're smiling, but I feel like if they were able to get ahead of the decline in magazines, mm-hmm. they, who knows what the source could have turned out to be. So That's was, not so, what messed up the source. N- not on, that was a multiple thing. So, so on that end, what was the hesitation in adopting the dot-com? heavy and kind of doing because I feel like the ones that survive either transitioned or found a balance between the two why was the hold up with the source in terms of I think of it was more of an digital? internal thing you know you had um, 
We were snobby. We didn't understand or want to mm-hmm. fuck with digital. Like, what is this? I'll never forget every morning we would all meet in Eric's office and look at um, all of the sites. So mm-hmm. there was the one that Selwyn left to do with Russell. I don't remember the name of it. And I do it because I was got hired for that. Um, was it 360? Yeah, 360. And then there was Hook.com which is where Jermaine and Deshawn were. There were like three or four sites. And every morning we would be like, okay, so how do you do this? Uh, uh. So we request the thing. Let me see. Okay. How do you so say now, Internet. Right. Internet. And then it would be like dot .com. Dot, okay. And now press. And I'll never forget hook.com particularly. Every time you went, it was like this vibrating microphone. Like it said, coming soon. You'd be like. Right. Months. Let's try it again. Okay. Hold on. Is it? I never got it. I didn't Who's laughing see now? It. There was no right. pla- I'm still laughing. I never did it. I still, I write for digital all the time now. I say 80% of what I do is digital. But that's now when it makes sense. When I can go to a site when there's vibration, when there's, when it's not static. They look beautiful. These sites are beautiful now. So you think, so did... It just took some time. But so my, I don't regret not going to .coms back then. So do you, was it a matter of them being early adopters or were they too soon in making the transition? Well, first of all, let's just keep it real. The early times that we're talking about, there was a boom and a bust. Mm-hmm. So the digital era we're living in now right. is not by right. any means yeah, an extension of those times. Those, o- none of those sites exist. Because also at that point, it was more about the message boards than actually going to the sites. Correct. Which, you know, I wrote a story on Christmas Addict this guy who went undercover at a lot of the sites, remember? Remember the site where they were talking shit about everybody? Uh, media, media take, not media takeout, damn it. Was it crusade.net? Mm-mm. This guy had everybody shook, and he always had this Christmas Addicts wig on, and he was talking about Whoa, everybody Whoa, damn, how long ago? I um, this is like 2000. Yeah. So it was a boom and a bust, mm-hmm. and then we started fresh. Mm-hmm. But... The, I was turning down straight up job opportunities. I remember there was this one website in DC. I can't remember which one. They were like, we'll, 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 we'll move you down. We'll give you this. We'll give you a signing one. Like, I could have gone anywhere and doubled my salary. Easy. And I just was like, I don't. But it's digital. It's digital. I need to pick. Until my mama got a computer and can go online and read my story, I'm going to be at print. And that's exactly what happened because now I sent her a link and she happily reads my stories. The photos are beautiful. Mm-hmm. There's a budget. I get paid now. Right. The, the the per word rate that I got paid in print, and I wasn't going to digital until that happened. Right, because there was I said it. a lot of people. I were said not, it. Yeah. There and was I certainly said it. like the dime a word. Twenty cents never, a word, and I wasn't doing that. Phase of it My all. work, well, I wasn't or, doing or, that. Or, or, or you writing for clock points at least. <laughs> that's um, me. So, to, I want to get out on this. Um, with everything you guys have seen over the years, does hip hop journalism still exist in the in the way you guys? Not so much in the way you guys know, because clearly it's different. But does actual hip hop journalism still exist, in your opinion, from what you see online and what you see in general? No. I um. No. It depends on what we call what is hip hop journalism. Somebody tweeted the other day. What is journalism? I don't trust anybody who says they're a hip hop journalist. You're either a journalist or you're not. Yeah. And I was like, I'm a hip hop journalist. I'll take that. If someone introduces me as such or refers mm-hmm. to me as such, I'm totally fine with that. Well, because I, for 20 years, mm-hmm. have written about blackity black shit in blackity black spaces, and I'm very honored. Mm-hmm. And for 15 of those years, I wrote exclusively about hip hop music. Exclusively. I traveled the world talking about and writing about this culture. And I think when I say hip-hop journalism, going back to the source, 
And like I said before, the source wrote about the culture from A to Z. It wasn't just the music. Correct. It was the fashion. It was the politics. But it was mm-hmm. often through like to be lens. writing about depression in yeah. two thousand what? That was crazy for black men. In yeah. the source, that's crazy. That that didn't that would not There's exist. No place anyplace else, else that would have happened. No and place it, else. And I'm yeah. They, that doesn't now. It's very common. Two thousand whatever. That's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Is there spaces where the that depth is being touched, being pushed forward? In your opinion, now from what you see. I think so. We just looked at each other. <laughs> right. Where? I think so. Where? I think that, I mean, I don't know. I can't be specific, but I do think like even in mainstream journalism, there is more of an effort to include um, more stories, more than what we were talking about. You then. know what? And, and and this is my opinion right now. And this, I look back and you can't, you can't live in the past, right? Mm-hmm. But it, because things change, now with the internet, it's just like, it's so, so many different silos, right? Right. Right. I'm not getting that mix of me being able to to open up a magazine and go through mm-hmm. politics and go through culture. Everything is so fragmented, you it know. Because that was and one I, thing. Yeah. That was one thing about the sources. When the source came out, whatever was in the source was a national conversation. It was everybody in the culture was talking about that thing at that point. National conversation. We well, wouldn't have known. Well, I mean, well, from my end as a, as a consumer, even if I'm gonna say you know my hood, my whatever, everybody picked up the source. And then everybody's having their conversation about what was in the source. And I imagine that mirrored itself city to city, state to state, so on and so forth. So there's a conversation happening at the same time. Whereas digitally, there's 80 different stories about 80 different things going on simultaneously. So there's a lot of broken conversations. Right. Also, we have to remember, I know that when I started traveling, covering things for the source, I would be somewhere in like 2000 and they're walking around with an issue from 1999 thinking it's current. Like thinking the source doesn't come out every single month. A lot of people did not have the privilege of getting their hands on the sort. Iowa, Middle America, those people couldn't. They'd be holding on tight to well, an was, issue from '99 and be like, "Oh my God, look at this." Well, that was hip hop culture at the time, anyway, because it was started in East Coast. They'll make that wave out. No, I said East Coast, West Coast. They'll make the wave in. Right. So and depending on how reason, close you were, is what you caught certain things at certain times. But it always be like why six I'm months not later. Mad at calling myself a hip hop journalism is because I'm still kind of. And I'll tell Alfred, Alfred this, but I'm still kind of tight on how we, meaning people in the me and Kenny generation, Kenny not so much because he was embraced by black journalism um, I'm sorry, in a traditional Alfred, way. Uh, Alfred Edmonds from Black Enterprise. Okay. Are you I, love, I love Alfred, but I remember the first couple times that I talked to him, he was very snooty towards places like The Source. Like, that's that stuff. As if we were not doing just as good journalism as Black Enterprise was. At Black Enterprise, when I was at the source at Black Enterprise, I used to freelance for them. Mm -hmm. I go up to the office. The women got to wear pantyhose. Like, for real. (laughs) You can't wear pants. This is 1999. And the women, the business reporters there who are women, Mm -hmm. have to wear skirt suits, have to wear stockings. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Imagine Whitney from a different world. And meanwhile, right. I'm coming to the source, like, whatever. And I'm still being respected. And you're locks and camo yeah. pants locks and, and the whole... Locks and the whole bit. Right. Um, and I'm coming, and we're doing good work. Mm-hmm. Just as good as what they're doing, across the board. So is that more a... So that's why I the... embrace mm-hmm. being called a hip-hop journalist, because I'm writing for... Right. I'm writing for a group of people that my own fellow folks... Mm-hmm. Ebony didn't even put up a mass head. I didn't even have, as a young black journalist, I didn't even have a way to find out who was there. Right. The whole small black journalism industry before hip hop journalism, they didn't care about me. They didn't care about us. They didn't care about people who wanted to write about hip hop. 
I got to piggyback off of what you what you said because I remember I was at a um, I think it's called the Upfront back mm-hmm. in the day. Story about another actress. I'm sitting out there uh, outside smoking a cigarette with Lisa Nicole Carson of all people. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, Lisa right, 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 right. We got to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lisa Nicole Carson, right? <laughs> Okay. And she's like, where are you from? And I'm like, the source. And just the look that she had, like, know, yeah. That and I'm look like, would be, like, crazy. Yeah, like, it would have been better if I said Vanity Fair or whatever. But I was, I'm right. always proud about what I do, you know? Mm-hmm. You can't... Wait, are you saying she was impressed or she no, was she not impressed? No, she wasn't. She's oh, just really? like, the, like the source. Yeah, it was just like a dismissive look. Like, Didn't you used thing. to get the opposite, though? You give somebody more, that business yeah, card more, and they melt? Yeah, that's the... Yeah, yeah. But her, it wasn't. I think she may have been more impressed if I was like from Vanity Fair mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. that. But, but even that has not has nothing to do with the quality of your work. It has to do with the culture that you're working in. So it wasn't like you guys couldn't write. It was, oh, you're writing about that. And I couldn't even get folks like Alfred to read the magazine. You know, I couldn't even get but him. But you know, to, it's funny that you're saying. He still that. supported me, no, of but, course. You know, but I definitely up, felt like he did not think that what we were doing at the source was worthy. But Black Enterprise eventually bought into yeah, the of source, course. which of is you know did, something we have to talk about too. Not yeah. creative. Well, that, I mean, you can say that about a lot of things because you know, WBLS wouldn't play hip hop records for years. Of course. And BET was hesitant to yes, get into hip hop. Like all these spaces were hesitant to touch hip hop because what was it? What was you know what be? makes me sad though. I'm really sad that this, what I experienced and what Kenny experienced will never happen for a different generation, ever. They're not gonna have a 20 year run writing for black folks Mm -hmm. and writing about black folks and being able to make a decent living at it. It's not gonna happen. It's just a different world that we live in. Um, From the source to Vibe, to XXL, to King, to Ebony, to Essence, to being a freelancer. That's my life. That's my trajectory right there. From one right. well-recognized black organization, I walk into conference rooms from 1999 to 2009, nobody in there but black folks. And we ain't talking about nothing but black folks. And I'm not writing about nothing but black folks. And I'm making six figures. Like, I don't know if Different that's time ever gonna now. happen again. Mm, yeah. I'm sad. I'm sad for that. Maybe it will. In a different way. Mm-hmm. Maybe websites are like that. No. I don't know. Mm-mm. We shall see. We shall see. Thank you, guys. Thank you. This Thank has you. been this dope fun. as fuck. Uh, yeah. We're, we're oh, crap. Yeah, work. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> place still. As Kenny runs out the door. All right. All right. All right man. Where's this going? Uh, it'll be up. It's on all the things, but um, it's going to be on Spotify, Plus, like, iTunes. Texas, like- Spotify, iTunes, all the things. Just yeah. I'm gonna start thinking about shit I said. Like, I'll send you. I'll send you links. I'll send you links and everything. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Lord have mercy.